Okay, good morning. This is Richard Shu, host of Shoe Untied. Today, I'm really thrilled and honored to have with me as my guest, Tony Robbins, who's the number one life and business strategist, the number one New York Times bestselling author, entrepreneur, philanthropist. Uh, Tony, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Richard. So, Tony, let me start by asking you, when did you discover or figure out that you had this gift for being a speaker and and, uh, and, and ability to inspire people? Well, I, I, when I was in high school, I was uh, I was a bit of a comedian because I was a little guy. I wasn't that talented. So the way to get girls' attention was to be entertaining. And I would kind of take over the class at times, I guess. And I had a speaking class. And I didn't really have a lot of interest in speaking, per se. It was just one of the classes as an elective that seemed to make some sense to do. And, um, and I had this teacher that was very strict and intense. And then, you know, I take over the class. There's a particular girl that I was head over heels for, this head cheerleader, a typical guy. And so I was able to entertain her, even though I wasn't the head of the football team and things of that nature. And one day he said to me, Mr. Robbins, I will meet you after class. And I was like, oh boy, I'm totally busted. And so I went to sit down with him and he said, you know why we're having this meeting? And I said, yeah, I know why. I said, you know, Nancy Coleman and the guy goes, no, no, no. And he goes, you know, that's not why. I said, well, why, why do you want to meet with me? He said, because you have a gift. And he looked at me and I looked at him like he was totally confused. And he said, you know, I've never seen a high school student stand up with no notes and talk to other jaded kids and get them mesmerized in five or 10 minutes and hold them for 45 minutes. He goes, it's, I've never seen it in my 30 years. And I, I just thought he was nuts, right? I just didn't see it at all. And he said, you know, he said, Mr. Robbins, I know more about you than you think I do. He goes, I know about your private life. I know what's happening with your family. And my mother was a little crazy and chased me out with a knife and I was, you know, working as a janitor in the middle of the night so I could support myself and stay in school. And uh, and so he started telling me some of these details and I was, you know, totally dumbfounded because I didn't want anybody to know. And he goes, I think you have a gift. And he said, I want you to go. There's a speech I want you to read. And he said, it's called The Will to Win. And he said, I want you to read this speech because he said, I think it's your life. It's It was really a, 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 a talk about the only thing that made it all happen at that stage of my life was pure will. It got me through the pain and the suffering and the challenges. And he said, I, I want you to go read this. And if you like it, memorize it. And I want you to compete in persuasive oratory. And I was like, I'm not you know, a junior or senior. I can't do that. He goes, I'm making the exception. You're going to go this piece. And I went home and I read the speech and I cried my eyes out. And I'm not a crier, but I just, it was my whole life. And I memorized it and I went out and won the very first time I spoke and I won the next time, won the next time I won first place in about eight out of the 10 things I competed in. And as a result of that, I began to realize, hey, there's a gift here, now how do I use it? And then, you know, I've always loved people and I've always been obsessed with ending suffering because I went through so much of it in my youth and having people be lit up. And I wanted to do it in a way that we didn't just make them feel good. I wanted them to have strategy, I wanted them to have tools. I wanted them to have ways to change their life or their business or their finances. And so. You know, I took a speed reading class and I said, I'm gonna read a book a day. I didn't do that, but I read 700 books in about seven years in the year of human development, psychology, physiology. And, and you know, you see that there are just patterns that are universal. And once I started seeing those, I started to get the phone call where, you know, the kid is suicidal and knock on wood, you know, in 41 years, I've never lost one out of thousands. I don't know if you saw, I'm not your guru or any of your listeners do, but mm. gives you a, little, a sample of how I do that. And then we follow up years later to see how they're doing. So you see that it really works. And so, you know, I started getting more and more of those calls. I started getting calls, you know, you know, Serena Williams is melting down. She's, you know, at the US Open, and I gotta step in and intervene right now. And I have no net, everybody's gonna know if you don't pull it off, and I do. Or President of the United States, true story, Bill Clinton calls and says, they're gonna impeach me in the morning. And you know, I'm 31 years old, and he goes, what should I do? I'm like, first of all, could you call me sooner? You know, <laughs> Jesus, tomorrow morning. But because I've had no net, 
for 41 years dealing with 50 million people from 100 countries, from the most successful to the most challenged, I've developed a recognition of patterns. And these patterns control everything. All great lawyers have great pattern recognition. It's what makes part of what makes you a great lawyer. You recognize the patterns in people, you recognize the patterns in the law, and as a result of that, you get really good at asking questions and you get really good at directing the conversation in a way that you know, allows you to be the victor in a situation. Well, I recognize there are patterns that make people angry, patterns that make them sad, patterns that excite them, patterns that make them grateful, and that people think they are their patterns, but they, we're not our patterns. We just identify with them. And if, it's hard to change yourself. It's easy to change a pattern. And so once I learned how to do that, I became the guy that, you know, I get the call when the billionaire has got a challenge in his business, but he really needs changing his own life as well. So he brings me in for the business and I do that, of course. Um, but then I apply it to him and then I've applied it to my own life. That's why, you know, I've done all the things I've done. You know, I've, I've basically been here because I have been through so much pain. I don't want anybody else to do. You know, I, I feed 100 million people a year now for the last four years. I've been feeding people starting with two families and then four and then eight. But it's not because I'm such a good person. It's because when I was 11, I had no money and no food in our family at Thanksgiving and somebody fed us. And so. I knew what that did. It didn't just give me food, it gave me hope. It made me believe strangers care. And so all the work that I do comes from that desire, that impact. And then I got good in business because, you know, I really want to be able to serve. So, you know, today I have 54 companies. We do over 6 billion in revenues and, you know, about 13 different industries. And I've gotten good at how to really grow and, and make businesses grow. And, and so I work with a lot of lawyers. That's why I was interested in working with you here because I think lawyers work incredibly hard and they're probably the least other than dentists maybe the least appreciated <laughs> people in the culture and it's just not fair and i i know these are people that have put themselves on the line they've pushed themselves through an intense insane level of education they're under pressure all the effing time and people just think oh they're just lucky as shit so i have a, a special appreciation of lawyers personally well tell me a little bit about what do you think what is your do you think your unique skill is that allows you to relate to people and give them this great advice and can help them in those moments of crisis what, what do you what do you think that that might be as corny as it may sound i effing love people i mean i just i hate suffering i love to see people lit up but not lit up with enthusiasm lit up because they've taken control of their life their finances their emotions their body and so I've been obsessed with the areas of life that matter most. I mean, think about, you know, what is wealth? I don't mean money. A lot of people have a lot of money and they're poor as hell emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. The relationships suck, you know, they got a lot of money. That's not wealth. So for somebody to have an abundant life, you know, there's only a few areas that matter. It's your body because, you know, a guy, there's an old phrase that says, you know, a man who is healthy has a million dreams and goals. A man who is unhealthy has one, you know, to get healthy. You don't want to be the richest man in the, the graveyard. So, and most people don't take care of the body. So how do you maximize energy? Because energy makes you stronger in business. It makes you passionate in your relationship. It makes you a better father or mother. So that's first to me. Then I look at emotion and meaning. You know, what are the things that are going to make life more meaningful? If you've got a billion dollars and every day you're pissed off and worried, then your life is pissed off and worried. It has nothing to do with how much money you have. It's where you live emotionally. And then the third area is intimate relationship. You know, if you're not happy in your relationship, you're not gonna be happy long-term. You know, it's like, this is where relationships magnify life. And so intimate relationship, relationships with your children, with the people you care about. You know, friendships are easy. It's the deeper ones, <laughs> the intimate ones that give us uh, kind of the shake every now and then, right? Especially if you're hardworking like most lawyers are. You know, so many hours of your life are in your business but not usually balancing it out in your relationships. And then fourthly, of course, is how you manage time. And fifthly is, you know, how you manage your business or your career. 
And sixthly, you know, looking at what are the areas of life that matter most? What is it that helps you do well financially? And then lastly, I look at kind of the spiritual side of life, not religious, but you know, what's your level of contribution and what's your level of celebration? You know, religio from the word religion means to celebrate. You know, some people's religions are not celebratory for them, but celebrating your life, feeling alive and contributing something meaningful beyond yourself. So those are the areas that I'm obsessed by. And when you obsess on something for 41 years and you get the privilege like I have to live at this time in history where, you know, I go to like, I just finished 15 cities in eight countries in six weeks from North America, South America, and all the way through. You know, one day I'm in, in uh, Vancouver, the next day I'm in Brazil, the next day I'm in Orlando, Florida, then Vegas, then then I'm in, uh, where was I? I went to Scotland the next day, I go to Italy the next day, I got 26,000 people in Moscow. I fly 22 hours, you know, to get to, to, to Australia, do my event there. So my, the demands that I'm making on this body are huge, but the rewards emotionally are so huge that it gives me energy. And so really for me, I'm looking to see you know, what are the ways in which that I can touch more people and that's what drives me and that's what makes me, you know, drive this body as hard as I do. And I'm, you know, I got to train the body to do things. So all the knowledge I've acquired to help other people, I first apply to myself. Now you've written on so many different topics. You've spoken on all these things. You just mentioned a whole slew of them. How do you continue to come up with new ideas? Do they just come to you? Do you get them from reading? How, how do you, how do your ideas kind of germinate within you? Gosh, I, I, they, they come everywhere for me. But, you know, I interact with so many human beings. I can't walk down the street anywhere in the world and not be stopped, you know, a dozen times, you know, at least in a day where people tell me these incredible stories, how they change life or challenges they're facing. So, you know, for example, right now, uh, I, I also experience that I'm of solving my own challenges. It's like, you know, I had, a, uh, I had a snowboarding accident and I tore my rotator cuff severely. And so I went to three different doctors. All three of them said, you got to do surgery. But I've had multiple athletic friends who can't lift their shoulder now, you know, arm above their shoulder because that surgery is is a tricky surgery. And and so I went and eventually, you know, and then I was diagnosed with spinal stenosis. And so, you know, the guy tells me one good hit and your life is over. Life as you know, it's over. No more jumping, no more running, no more squash, no more this, and you know, no more s snowboarding. I'm like, what? You know, and so, you know, I went to eight doctors and I finally got stem cells outside the country. I went and got cord stem cells, which are 100 times more powerful than you get in the United States. Not fetal, but cord. And so people usually throw away the cord. And I'm completely healed without any of those things being done. And so now I have a stem cell company. You know, it's called Cellularity. I work with one of the top stem cell experts in the world, Dr. Bob Harari. I just got back from the Vatican where, you know, got to spend time with the Pope. But the Pope has this, you know, every two years they have this regenerative health conference, believe it or not, with the greatest doctors in the world. And there are things that are happening in the next two and a half, three years that you would think are magic, that would happen in 20 or 30 years. They're already in you know, the final FDO trials, phase, phase two and phase three trials. And so I'm writing a book now to give an example on life force, which is all the latest tools. Like if you have, let's say, for example, pancreatic cancer, it's pretty much a death sentence. They tell you you got six months to live. In most cases, that's it. Um, there, there's a group that has works with stem cells that has in their phase two trials right now, they have a 97.2% healing rate for people with pancreatic cancer. I mean, these are the kinds of things that are coming out that are just life-changing. So I'm coming out with a book where, just like I did with money, I went and interviewed the 50 smartest financial people on earth. I got access to the Warren Buffetts, to the Carl Icons, to you know the Ray Dalios, literally the most successful financial people on the face of the earth. And I took care of them and they saw my total sincerity. And so they networked me and they got me interviews with people I haven't done interviews in 10 years. Well, I'm doing the same thing now on the health side because Look, it's another subject that 
I don't give a damn how much money you have. I don't give a damn how successful you are in business. And you're not taking care of your health and your body. You're going to, everything stops. And so to see these breakthrough technologies and be able to bring them to people so that they can access them, you know, just before they're coming out is, is something that excites the hell out of me. So I look at the areas that matter most and I'm constantly looking for what are the newest answers for myself. And because I know if I can heal myself physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, then I can heal others. I mean, there's nothing that I teach that I haven't lived. I'm not one of those guys where you go to the doctor and he's, you know, he's fat and he's overweight and he's, you know, he's, he's blind in one eye and he's like going to coach you on how to do well. Or people go to therapists all the time that are on like Prozac and, you know, and they want to get healthy and they're going to somebody who's drugged out. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Or they go to a financial guy that's, you know, a nice person, but, you know, they never made any money themselves in their entire life and they're telling you where to put your money. It doesn't make any sense to me. So I got to live it first get the benefit first, help a small number of people, and then scale it to tens of millions of people as quickly as possible. How do you prioritize what you do every day? I mean, there's so many things you could be doing. Obviously, you speak, you write, you you counsel people. I mean, you know, how do you kind of even prioritize all the things that you want to do or people want from you? I, I have a system I've refined over the years, which I call RPM, you know, in a, in a race car, the more RPMs you get, you can get a place faster with less effort with stronger RPMs. And so the RPMs is I don't believe in making to-do lists because any intelligent person who's maxed in their life can never do the full to-do list. And it's the wrong question. You know, President Clinton asked me that day, what should I do? They're gonna impeach me in the morning. And I said to him, sir, the first question to ask is what do you want? Because what to do will change if you wanna just stay in office. I said, quite frankly, you know, you know you're not gonna get impeached, easy for me to say, but you're a lawyer, you know what to do. And you know there aren't the votes in the Senate to do that, right? So I said, you know, if you just want to stay in office, one thing. If you want to be respected by moms and dads and children, then you might have a different answer to what am I going to do. So the first question is, what do I want? What's the R is, what's the result I'm after? What's the specific outcome? Because the more clear you are on what you want, the easier it is to get there. Clarity is power. Then I ask, not how am I going to do it still, why do I want to do this? What's the purpose? And that sounds like an extra step. But I can remember when I was like 25, I came home and this is before, you know, the World Wide Web even exists. That's how old I am. But I can remember I had 100 and I think it was 25 or 135 phone calls, messages, which is like, and I was overwhelmed and stressed and like, what the hell? I got to call these people back. This is insane. But when I looked at the list, there's some people on there like a president of a country. I would have died four years before to be able to advise somebody like this, a, a billionaire businessman. And so what I learned to do is say, okay. I gotta know, what do I want? I'm not gonna react to these calls. What do I wanna give, contribute, do? What's here, but what do I want? Then why do I wanna do this? Well, gosh, if I touch this guy, I can touch through him tens of thousands of people. And then the, the M is, the P is purpose. The M is my map, my massive action plan. So I brainstorm everything I might need to do to achieve it, but I'm not gonna do all those things. There's not enough hours in the day. So I go through and then I asterisk the 20% that are gonna give me 80% of the result. What are the what are the things that are going to get me there quicker? And if you know the outcome, you get there quicker. So I use this RPM system with all my companies. All my companies, every company, every division has the three to five to thrive. What are the three to five most important outcomes for the year, for this quarter, for this month? And then I have everybody measure it because you can't manage what you don't measure. And I get those reports. And so each day there are parts of my life that are about maintenance. There are certain things you got to support. And then there's the part I love, which is creation, right? So there's things I maintain, there's things I create, there's things I expand. And so I have a, a, a system of how I attack it with each of the companies. I mean, you know, I got 54 companies, but I manage 12 of them, you know, actively. I'm available to all of them, but most of them I don't. So there's about 12 companies. It's still a full plate. 
uh, especially when you do 12 hours a day on, on stage you know, kind of thing and multiple hours, multiple days. But it's so fulfilling to see the impact and I, I love the challenge of it. But if I ran my life through to-do lists, I'd want to chop off my arms. I mean, just there's no way. I'd just be pissed off all the time going, why can't I do it all? Instead, I've gotten really good at hiring the best humans I can find, people that are smarter than I am in the areas that they are, giving them the outcomes, reinforcing the purpose and let them come up with a map. Let them solve it. They're smarter than I am. I can give input. But if I think I'm the smartest guy in the room, I'm full of shit. You know, I, what I found is the smartest guy or woman in the room is a group of people. You know, I teach people in business, instead of being the business owner who runs off in, by yourself and you're an operator because you're working all the time, 24 seven, you're making all the decisions because you think you're the smartest one. Well, you might be smart on your own, but there's no one smarter than the group. And very often, you know, I can remember, you know, Steve Wynn who built most of Vegas used to show me, he goes, Tony, the smartest people in my circle are not just my C-suite. He goes, I spend time with the guys on the front line every single day, the bellman, the bellman who finds out that he overhears this woman who's going, oh my God, oh my God, I, I, I forgot my husband's medication as she checks into the room and he's a diabetic and she's freaked out. And, and he says, well, where did you just come from? She goes, from LA, we live in the San Fernando Valley. And he says, well, I have a brother that's up there and he's supposed to come see me this weekend and it's Friday. If you want to give me the information and you want to have somebody there, I'll have him drive by, get it and bring it for you. That's what creates raving fans. Now that's the people that are on the line know what's going on. So instead of one person solving 12 problems, I get 12 people to solve one problem. And sometimes the least sophisticated person has the best answers. So it, it, that's how you grow. You grow not by making it all yourself. You have to be willing to trust and let people make mistakes. You make them, you gotta let them make mistakes and grow. But if they keep growing, pretty soon you'll have leverage and you'll be able to scale what you do. Do you ever think back and wonder if that if it weren't for that high school teacher, you'd be doing something totally different, or you think you would have done this anyways? No, I think that high school teacher played. I, th I think that that is a moment of grace. You know, grace. You know, without being religious, just from a spiritual perspective, is when life is happening for you instead of to you. And I really believe life is always happening for us. It's our job to figure out the benefit. Even the worst situations usually make you grow. They make you expand. They make you care more. But I think that uh, you know his name was Mr. Cobb, but Mr. Cobb. Uh, was a little angel who came across at that stage. Now, he could have done that and I could have, you know, had a low work ethic and done okay. You know, a lot of people are talented, but my work ethic is insane. You know, if there's one thing people don't know about me, people ask my wife, they go, well, what's the thing about Tony? Nobody would probably realize. She goes, how insanely he prepares for everything. I over-prepare because when I step into that arena, who knows what's gonna happen? It changes constantly. There's nothing that's pre-programmed. Somebody can stand up and go, I'm suicidal. Somebody can stand up and go, I just made you know, three quarters of a billion dollars and I'm bored shitless. You know, you never know what someone's gonna do or go there. And that's what keeps me on my toes and makes it feel alive. So I over-prepare and then I let go and I let things come through based on what's there in front of me. Well, Tony, this has been a fascinating conversation. I could talk with you all day, but I really appreciate you taking the time. It was really an inspiration. I'm sure my audience is gonna well, be really, hearing this. Well, I really appreciate it. And I hope your audience will pick up, you know, Unshakable. It's just come out in paperback. It's 100% of the money is going to Feeding America. And again, we're feeding 100 million people a year, a billion over the next six years. But I hope they'll get it for themselves as well. And when you do, you know, as a lawyer, it'll free you up because you'll see how the system is rigged. And anyone who thinks systemically like a lawyer will look at this and go, holy shit, I can win this game. I can win big and it doesn't need to take all my time. This is something that once you do your homework, you can read this book in a weekend. Once you do that, literally, you're gonna know how the system is run. You'll know what to do. You'll get yourself the right fiduciary. And then maybe twice a year, you'll spend 30 minutes or an hour and you'll have this second business with no employees, with nobody to manage, 
that no matter what happens, will keep growing for you through time and really give you the financial freedom that you and your family deserves. And that's my ultimate mission besides serving the people society forgets. So hope people will take advantage of this for themselves and, and know that they're also contributing in a meaningful way to others. Thank you so much, Tony. I hope to have you back one of these days. Look forward to it, Richard. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Yeah.